0: Welcome in to another episode of the Destination Debbie College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. You can find me on x at gump7285. I'll be flying solo for this one this weekend. Unfortunately, my co-host Derek is still feeling under the weather and unable to record with me tonight, so hopefully he gets the feeling better soon and he's back with us next week. But we'll jump right into a recap of week six. A pretty damn good day of football, if you ask me. Lots of big matchups. Lots of good Debbie performances, lots of competitive games. Even just the noon, p.m. Eastern time slates were extremely good. That was enough football for one day for me from a competitive standpoint. We still had the 3.30 window and then the primetime games. So the first game up, of course, you might have guessed it, the Red River Rivalry, Oklahoma and Texas playing in Dallas at the Texas State Fair. This was a good one. I enjoyed watching this one very much so. Unfortunately, my guy Quinn Ewers struggled very much, especially in the first half. He threw a pick on the second play of the game. He had another interception and he also took a fumble off a pretty big hit when he tried to lower his shoulder. Thankfully, he was okay after that one. But they did end up coming back, making it a ball game in the end. They had a chance to win it, took the lead with just a couple minutes left. Unfortunately, the defense couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. So they did drop this one to the Sooners, 34-30. We'll start over on the Oklahoma side of the ball in Dylan Gabriel. And man, did he have a game. He just put the offense in his backpack and said, let's go, guys. I got this one for us. He had 285 passing yards and a touchdown, as well as 113 on the ground and another touchdown, and he controlled the pace of this game himself. Looked like a great point guard out there controlling the offense. As far as his receivers went, we did see the number one receiver, Andrew Anthony, go down with an unfortunate knee injury that looked like it could be pretty serious. So prayers up for him that he has a speedy recovery and that it's not as serious as it might have looked. And then standout junior, Jaleel Farouk, had five catches for 130 yards. Drake Stoops had four for 55. And then Nick Anderson caught the game-winning touchdown in the corner of the end zone. His only catch of the day for three yards in the game-winning touchdown. So in my book, that's a pretty good game. Caught the most important pass of the game for the Sooners. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, of course, not really there much form as far as the Devy aspect. But if you're a C2C contender coming down the stretch of the season, looking to make a big push for the championship, if you don't have him, I'd be trying to acquire him at this point. He is red hot, as are the Sooners on offense and defense. This defense was a lot better than I've been giving them credit for. And they did, for the most part shut down the Longhorns, caused three turnovers. The Longhorns had double the penalties of the Sooners. On paper, this shouldn't even have been a close ball game, but the Longhorns were somehow in it to win it at the very end. Just unfortunately, they couldn't pull it out. And for the running backs, Tui Walker was the best running back on the day, had the most carries of 15, only 46 yards on the ground, but he did add another two receptions for 14 and two rushing touchdowns. He did have basically a walk-in receiving touchdown gifted to him and he just flat out dropped the ball at the goal line unfortunately which led to a sooner field goal instead of a touchdown so he could have had the hat trick but unfortunately couldn't couldn't squeeze the orange and take it in now moving on to the absolutely devy loaded offense of the Texas Longhorns again going to start the quarterback Quinn Ewers outside the turnovers he had a pretty good day numbers wise 31 of 37 for 346 pass yards he did have a passing touchdown, but unfortunately had the two picks and the fumble lost, so that very well could have cost him the game with those three turnovers alone. Uh, receivers, the senior Jordan Whittingham, 10 for 115, and Out junior Xavier Worthy, 8 for 108. Running back Jonathan Brooks added 5 for 34, and A.D. Mitchell, coming off his huge game last week, had a bit of a letdown with 3 for 33. Wasn't it? Nearly targeted as much as he previously was. And Jatavion Sanders, 1 for 13, but he did, or he was dealing with a banged up ankle that you could tell during the game was affecting him. So unfortunately, he wasn't healthy enough to have a big game against the Sooners again. And back to Jonathan Brooks and the rushing game. C.J. Baxter had 7 carries for 18, and Jonathan Brooks, 22 for 129 and a touchdown. I know a lot of people have not been talking about Jonathan Brooks as far as a Debbie prospect. But man, this guy has all the goods. As I always like to say, he's got all the tools in the toolbox. He's everything you want in a modern day running back. Listed at six foot two oh seven, It's a little hard to believe. I think he's a little bit heavier in 207. He is a big, big boy. He has hands. He has great burst, agility, long speed, the quickness. Again, the hands of the receiving game. He's got it all, man. Right now, for me, he currently sits at, overall, Debbie running back 8. And in the 24 class alone, he is my running back 4 currently. Especially in a season where the majority of the 24 Debbie running back class has disappointed, to say the least. He's probably the brightest spot so far. He's been doing the damn thing constantly week in and week out. Showing he can be a workhorse, showing he can be involved in the receiving game, and you're going to want to watch out for this kid the rest of the season and leading into the draft. I think he's going to be a day two pick, probably early third, maybe late second, if his draft stock rises accordingly. But he's someone you want to watch, and you'll see his name once again in my weekly buy-sell article on DestinationDebbie.com with a lot more analysis than what you heard here, so make sure you check that out this Friday. And now moving on to a Big Ten undefeated battle. That was a very good game for at least two and a half quarters. Maryland at Ohio State. Buckeyes walked away with this one, 37-17. It was 10-10 to 10 at halftime. Maryland spoiled a chance and just goofed up time management, clock management at the end of the half. No timeouts. They had to think they were in the red zone at this point, or the 25, or very close to it. And again, no timeouts. Time's ticking. Instead of dumping the ball out of bounds, Mr. Tagovailoa threw the ball in play. The receiver had no chance to get to the boundary or get a first down to stop the clock for a few seconds, and the clock ran out. No points put up on the board there, and I think that's where we saw the momentum start to shift was at that point in time going into halftime. And after that point, Ohio State just ran away with it like we see many, many times before. Unfortunately for the Maryland side, from looking at it through a Debbie point of view, there's not much to talk about for them. But they are a very, very solid college football team coming out of this game at 5-1. and one. Going to make a bowl game. They're on, they're on the upswing They have been the last couple of years under Mike Loxley. So kudos to him for turning this program around, looking as good as they have, and being competitive for this game for majority of it. And now on to the Buckeyes, who did not have Travion Henderson today. We'll start off with the running backs. Uh, Chip Terranum had 20 for 61 in a touchdown. Mayan Meatball Williams had 6 for 23. And the receivers, Marvin Harrison, 8 for 163 in a touchdown. Tight end Cade Stover had 2 for 66 in a touchdown. And Emeka Ibuka had 3 for 40. And unfortunately, he did suffer an injury. I do not know the severity of it or exactly what it was coming out of the game. But praise up for him for a speedy recovery, and hopefully it's nothing serious. And move on to the quarterback, Kyle McCord. 19 of 29 for 320 and two touchdowns. So extremely, extremely good stat line for Kyle McCord. But for me, he just ain't it. He never has been. He never will be in my eyes. He's not an NFL quarterback. Just lots of things I see that he's just not very good at. Getting rid of the ball quickly at times. Awareness moving around in the pocket, holding the ball too long. And yes, I know, it's putting up monster stats he has all year. But when you're playing for Ohio State with a stout offensive line, a very good run game, Marvin Harrison, a good tight end, senior Julian Fleming, and another star junior, Egbuka, why would you not be expected to put up monster numbers? It's what should be happening, and it is, in Ryan Day's high-flying offense. So don't let the numbers fool you in thinking he is a first-round NFL prospect because he's just, he's not. He's going to be coming back to Ohio State for another year, so he'll be a fourth-year guy, and that's about it for him. For C2C, he is absolutely excellent. You can count on him week in and week out to post a great stat line and get you Ws. The biggest takeaway for me for this game is Travion Anderson is not needed for this offense to run smoothly or to be good or efficient. It's just one of those offenses. You throw anybody back there as a running back, whether they're an elite talent or mediocre, the offense is going to run basically the same in my eyes and the way everybody else looks at it as well. It doesn't matter who's back there. Travion Henderson, Chip Teranum, Meatball Williams, Dallin Hayden, anybody back there is going to put up good numbers. This offense is going to do great with them. So take that for what you will and what you might think of Travion Henderson through that lens. Move on to... A, a high-flying shootout, LSU at Mizzou. Now, on the Gridiron Fantasy show in our preview last week, I did take Missouri for the money line. They almost had it. So close, Brady Cook played a hell of a game. Luther Burden had a Monsters game as well. Uh, he put up 11 for, 40, sorry, 11 for 149, and then he did have one carry, didn't do anything with it. Unfortunately, did not reach the end zone today. Even with him putting up 39 points, they obviously didn't need him. Running back Cody Schrader had 13 carries for 114 and three touchdowns, and he looked like an elite talent at the college football level today. He was damn near unstoppable. And Brady Cook, 30-47 of for 411, two touchdowns. Unfortunately, did have two interceptions. One of them was the pick six at the end of the game that sealed the deal for LSU. So really outside of that and the first interception, he played an extremely good game and it opened up a lot of people's eyes to how good Brady Cook is and this Missouri team overall. Luther Burden, I did have him as a sell in my first or second Debbie article of the season, but he's made a believer out of me. He is a stud that I had many questions about, and he's answered every single one of them. He's by far the 2025 wide receiver one for me. Yes, way ahead of Evan Stewart, Barry and Brown, uh, Ted or McMillan in Arizona, Travis Hunter, if you put him in that conversation, Luther Burden's the man. He's a stud. He's going to be a great player the rest of the season and next year, and we're going to see him getting very, very early draft capital for a wide receiver in 2025. And on to LSU. Malik Neighbors did what Malik Neighbors does. Six for 146 and one touchdown. Brian Thomas Jr., four for 61 and a touchdown. And tight end Mason Taylor, four for 27 and a touchdown. Running back Logan Diggs had another huge day. Twenty four carries for one thirty-four and touchdown. And then Jaden Daniels. This kid is unstoppable at this point. No matter what you do to him, he's gonna break you down. He's gonna torture defense one way or another. On the ground, fifteen for one thirty and a touchdown. Through the air, fifteen of twenty one for two fifty nine and three touchdowns. So four total touchdowns, well over three hundred yards of total offense, almost over 400 yards of total offense, no turnovers. So he played a ball game that he did have to play for him to come out and get the W in the very end. So another quarterback that backpacked his team and managed the game himself very well and come away with a big-time W. Now one question I do want to ask you guys, do you prefer Malik Neighbors or Luther Burden at this point in Debbie? Obviously, Malik Neighbors. you get to your NFL roster a year earlier, A great talent in his own right. But overall talent-wise, do you like him above Luther Burden? Uh, For me, previously, before I refreshed my rankings earlier today before hitting the record button, I had Luther Burden, wide receiver 10, and League Neighbors, wide receiver 6. Since then, Luther Burden did leapfrog Neighbors. He went up to 6, and Neighbors dropped down to number 7. So for me, right now, I'd prefer Luther Burden over him. I think he's got a better overall game and has better skills as far as when he gets the ball, yak yards, making people miss, things like that, that Malik Neighbors just isn't capable of, unfortunately. So once I drop the tweet that this episode's out, feel free to reply to that with which player you prefer on your Devi roster at the moment, Luther Burden or Malik Neighbors. And we'll move on to one of my most looked forward to games this week that was very disappointing, especially from the quarterback play. Washington State at UCLA. UCLA came away with this one in a hard-fought defensive battle, 25-17. to Overall, disappointing unless your name was Carson Steele. He had 30 carries for 140 yards. The former Ball State transfer had one heck of a day. His best game in a UCLA Bruins uniform by far, and this is why they brought him in. The guy is a monster. As far as C2C, I would love to have him. Uh, Debbie-wise, eh, not so much. I don't think he has much of an NFL future ahead of him, but I'd be fine taking a flyer on him if he continues to play like this week in and week out and look this good. Uh, Quarterbacks, straight up, they just stunk it up. They were bad. Probably the worst games both of them have played so far this season by a wide margin. Uh, Freshman Dante Moore, my overall freshman quarterback one, 22 of 44 for 290, one touchdown, and two picks. Just straight up did not look good. He looked lost out there at times, just like Cam Ward, who was 19 of 39 for 197, a touchdown, and two interceptions for himself. Both of them had negative rushing yards due to the sacks. Not the game I expected. I expected Washington State to come away with a W. Obviously, they did not. For me currently, in Debbie, I do have them ranked back-to-back. Dante Moore is quarterback 7, and Cam Ward is quarterback 8. So two of my most favorite Debbie players watching this year and going into the NFL that I think they both have a very bright future for didn't work out today in their matchup, so very disappointing and a letdown for me. Then move on to Florida State and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech made this a little bit of a ball game. Going in half and into a third quarter a little bit. But Florida State did what they do, and they shut the door on that pretty fast. Unfortunately, Debbie Wise, not much there from Virginia Tech that excites me right now. And they're just not a very, very good team currently, coming out of this one at 2-4. But for Florida State, Jordan Travis, 18-24 of 24 for 170 and two touchdowns. Added 25 on the ground. Both, both of his touchdowns went to big guy Johnny Wilson, who had four for 57. Ken Coleman had three for 32, and Trey Benson had three for 15. Uh, freshman Destin Il did what we're going to expect of him. Caught the long ball. One catch for 30 yards. That's going to be his best trait, and he's going to get a lot of them here in the next two to three years for Florida State. And on to the star of the day, the stud that finally showed up and looked like the stud he is, Trey Benson. 11 carries for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Easily his best day on the ground this, thus far this season. Had a long of an 85-yard run. He looked like Trey Benson from last year that we were all so excited to see coming into this season. Unfortunately, up until now, he sputtered a little bit, but it seems like he's got it going in the right direction, so kudos to that young man for figuring it out early. Uh, my last Debbie buys and sells on Destination.com this past Friday. Benson, or sorry, not this past Friday, but a week before that. My apologies. Benson was a buy for me. I've seen a lot of people throwing in the towel on him, thinking that it was just a flash in the pan last year based on his performance and how he's looked. And I was there to say, not so fast. And the great words of Lee Corso, he's a buy. Buy the dip on him. I'm sure there's not much of a dip anymore. But I'm still scooping up Trey Benson as much as I possibly can. He's a great mold of a modern day running back he can do it all that we're looking for has great size all-around ability he can pass block as well he's going to be a pretty good sorry pretty high NFL draft pick round two or three I'm thinking at the moment and as far as 2024 ranks he is my running back two right behind Travion Henderson and overall Debbie running back five so I'm extremely high on him I think he's an elite talent so don't give up on him if you're thinking about doing so. You will regret it. Then we'll move on to one of the bigger matchups of the week, Alabama going into Texas A&M. Bama walked away with the road win, 26-20. There were rumblings that Jalen Milrow was dealing with an injury and might not play today, but that was incorrect. So very incorrect. He played and played well. 21-33 passing for 321 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. So he looked like a great passer today and there was not anything there for him on the ground. Eight quote-unquote carries for negative 31 yards. He had a long run of 12. Obviously the rest were sack yards and whatnot. So not a good day on the ground for him. Complete opposite of what we expect from him. But he showed his versatility and that he can be a passer. Jermaine Burton, wide receiver. Nine for 197 and two touchdowns. A big breakout game for Jermaine Burton that we've all been looking for. Someone in that wide receiver room to step up and be the man. It might just be Jermaine Burton, finally. Isaiah Bond added seven for 96 and a long touchdown. Uh, Jermaine Burton, unfortunately, did fumble and lose a fumble, but he damn sure made made up for it with the rest of his play throughout the game. And for the Texas A&M side, of course, Connor Wegman is out for, I believe, the season. Uh, Max Johnson stepping in, 14-25 for 239. A touchdown and a pick. Le'Veon Moss, who's had two back-to-back very good games, unfortunately did not live up to those games today. 16 for 49 and a touchdown on the ground. And wide receiver-wise, overall disappointing. Anais Smith was the man today, 4 for 88. And Evan Stewart, only 3 for 46. No touchdowns today for Mr. Stewart. He is my wide receiver 2 in the 25 class. Overall, Debbie Wise, wide receiver, eight. Think Devontae Smith when you think of him. Similar mold as far as body type, the way he plays, but I think he's a little bit more physical, and he's faster. Not as great of a route runner as of yet as Devontae Smith, but where he lacks for route running, he makes up with his athleticism and speed. But since Max Johnson has been the quarterback taking over halfway through a couple weeks ago for Wegman, It has not been the same for Evan Stewart. He hasn't seen the 10-plus targets a game that he was seeing from Wegman. So this is what we're going to get from him. Less than five catches, around 50 to 60 yards, maybe a touchdown if he's lucky. So this is the new reality for Evan Stewart this year. Now moving on to the UFC Knights at the Kansas Jayhawks. UCF came into this one as the favorites going on the road, and they got smacked. All game long, Kansas was well ahead, controlled the game. It was their ball game to give away, and they did not do that. They walked away with a 51-22 victory. This was all about the run game. If you look at the stats, you'd think you were looking at a service academy and a triple option offense. We'll start at the bottom. 13 for 91 and two touchdowns. Senior Dylan McDuffie did that today, so he bought out. Absolutely monster game. In an even bigger game from the sophomore, Daniel Hitchhaw Jr., 19 carries for 134 and two touchdowns. And then the star running back, Junior Devin Neal, 12 for 154 and a touchdown. So they all had double-digit carries, two for over 100, two with multiple touchdowns. A hell of a day on the ground for the Kansas Jayhawks. And they, these three young men didn't even need a quarterback out there. Jason Bean went 8 of 12 for 91 and a touchdown. This was all about the run game. They put up 399 run rush yards as a team. They had more rush yards than what UCF did total yards. Far and away, 100 plus more yards, almost. Actually, yeah, more than 100 plus yards. Nope, my math is wrong. Sorry, disregard that whole section right there. My, my apologies. But point still remains, Kansas controlled the game on the ground, bouncing back in a big way after the loss to Texas last week. So good for them. They are 5-1, and one, almost bowl eligible. And Devin Neal is looking pretty good as another 24-draft eligible prospect that you want to keep your eye on. I've loved him for the last two seasons, and he looks better and better each week, ripped off a 75-yard run and just made a subtle little cut to the inside to make a defender miss and just outran the whole defense to the end zone. He's someone you want to watch coming down the stretch of the season for sure. And now on to the last completed game of the day I will talk about here this evening. The Syracuse Orangemen on the road in Chapel Hill to face the North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina walloped them all game long, winning 40-7. Drake May was, well, Drake May. 33-47 of for 442 pass yards and three touchdowns. Added 14 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. Running mate, Marion Hampton, had 15 for 78 on the ground. And today marks the debut and return to college football of Devontae Walker. The NCAA finally got their heads out of their ass. Apologize for my language. But they did that, and they finally made the kid eligible. So great to see him on the field. Absolutely amazing. We didn't think we would see him this year. But he's back, baby. Six for 43 in his debut. I thought he looked good. You've got to remember, he played at Kent State, so played at a max school compared to a Power 5 ACC school. Big step up in competition for him, and he looked the part. He looked like he could handle himself at this level. You will see him in my buys and sell article coming up this week as well. I'm buying everywhere possible for Devontae Walker, whether it's C2C or Debbie. Absolutely love this kid's profile. He is a monster on the outside, Standing six foot three, around 200 pounds. He can run, he can jump, he can separate. He's a really good route runner. He's going to have a pretty big season going forward if I would have to put my money on it. He's going to add another big weapon that this North Carolina offense so desperately needs if they want to win the ACC and make a possible playoff run. Now, here comes the time I'm going to admit when I'm wrong. No problem doing it. I'd rather do it now. Then hold on to my takes for too long and flat out look like I don't know what I'm talking about. So Drake May, I was wrong on him. I was fading him, I was selling him, getting out from under him everywhere I could. Didn't want any part of him. Thought he was going to fall apart and his draft stock was going to plummet. It hasn't. Week in, week out, he has looked very solid. Looked like Drake May from last year, backpacking his team, putting up lots and lots of yardage. Possibly on his way to another overall season leader in yardage at the FBS level and he is moving back up my rankings I did have him knocked down on my quarterback 4 in this class for 2024 he's back up to QB 2 where he belongs apparently now he still remains a Debbie quarterback 3 for me behind Drew Aller, I would rather have Drew Aller than Drake May on my Debbie roster plus at this point in time you should be able to move Aller for May plus or sorry Move Drake May for Drew Aller and get a plus on top of Mr. Aller. That's the way I would personally go. Get the leverage deal and also get, still get the elite quarterback pro- prospect. You just got to wait a year on him. But I was completely wrong about Drake May so far. His draft stock is soaring. I know a lot of people actually like him more than Caleb Williams. I personally don't. I don't see any day that that would ever happen. But he is a hell of a quarterback in his own right. It seems to be back in that locked and loaded quarterback two for the class. So that'll do it for the games that have already been completed for the day. Now I'll just pop my head around the nation, see what's going on with the games currently being played. We'll start out in Tempe, Arizona, for the Colorado Buffaloes on the road to face Arizona State. Currently, they're about halfway through the third quarter. Arizona State surprisingly leading this one, 17-14. On the Arizona State side, my guy, Cameron Scatabow, if you've listened to the last couple episodes in our previews on the Gridiron Fantasy Show, I love Cameron Scatabow, His body type, the way he plays, to me, he's a Blake Corm that can be deployed as a pass-catching threat. He can also throw the ball. He's got a couple passing touchdowns on the year. He's a do-it-all out of Sacramento State. So transferring up at a level, and he looks like he can hang with the big boys quote-unquote at the FBS level. Uh, 8 for 34 and a touchdown. He also has one catch for 14 yards, so he's having an extremely solid game. He's scored in every game but one, I believe, in the second week of the season. So you can count on him getting the end zone more often than not. And then on the Colorado side of things, a freshman, Omariah Miller, had the big game last week against SC. So far, one for nine. A leading receiver, Xavier Weaver, two for 17. And Jimmy Horn Jr., five for 49. And that leaves Shadur Sanders at 19 of 30 for 145. No touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles. He's obviously been sacked a few times. He's got negative 21 rush yards. But he does have a 16-yard scamper. So he did get out and gallivant a little bit, which is always great to see him using his legs at a, as a weapon like he can. So this is a close one down the stretch. I can't wait to watch this one for myself. I love watching Shadur Sanders. As you guys know, I'm very, very high on him. Might just be the highest on him in the Debbie space. I think he's elite. He's struggling a little bit this game, but he's not making mistakes. And for that, I think that's why Colorado is still in it, that he's taking care of the ball. So we'll see where this one goes. Maybe Arizona State gets an upset. Got to remember, two weeks ago, they played very well against USC and almost came out with an upset there. So they're very close to getting the big win at 1-4 and four so far. And they do not have Jaden Rashada or Drew Pine tonight. It is Trenton uh, Borgett, who's having a pretty good game. Four rushes for 30 and a touchdown. 19 of 28 for 181 through the air. And same thing as Shadur. No picks, no fumbles, taking care of that ball and leading this team to a victory thus far. And we'll move on to number 20, Kentucky. Traveling down to Georgia between the hedges. They are getting walloped right now uh, Georgia is up 34 to 7 just starting the second half Devin o, or sorry not Devin O'Leary Devin Leary is not having a very good game can't get it going it seems like 9 of 22 for a touchdown Ray Davis coming off that huge week last week so far 10 for 43 uh, Barry and Brown non-existent one for seven sophomore receiver. Dame Key, 3 for 65, is having the best day so far on the Kentucky side of the ball. But I expected a closer game. I didn't think Kentucky would win this one, but I thought they would kind of hang in there at least for the first half, and they haven't even done that so far. On the Georgia side of things, we have Carson Beck, 23 of 28 for 322, three touchdowns. No picks, no fumbles. He is looking better and better by the week. I think he's going to come back for another year at Georgia. If he's looking to be an NFL quarterback, I think that's the right choice at this point. And if he continues to get better and better, he could be a play for the 25 class. I would not be surprised one bit with how wide open that one is outside of Drew Aller. And then as far as the receivers, Oscar Delp, 2 for 12 with a touchdown, so good to see the second tight end getting involved. And then Brock Bowers, who I said in my article yesterday, Sell Brock Bowers, get rid of him, get the haul for him, have another big game as you would expect. 5 for 97. Check out my article that dropped yesterday morning at DestinationDevi.com to find out my other reasons and rationale for why I'm selling Brock Bowers and why it just might make sense to you. Move on to my Michigan Wolverines at Minnesota. Currently at halftime, up 24 to 10. J.J. McCarthy having a very efficient game. 8 of 10 for 124. No touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles. He's got 10 rush yards and a touchdown. That I did see the touchdown was a read option. He made a guy miss on the edge and then he barreled over a defender to get past the pylon for the touchdown. So a very hard-nosed, gritty run. And that's what J.J. McCarthy is. He's a hard-nosed, gritty player with elite traits. That's going to be an NFL first-round pick, I believe. And also... Star sophomore quarterback, lockdown, Will Johnson, had a pick six. So for all you IDP guys that have to play quarterbacks, I'd be keeping my eye on Will Johnson. He has very good ball skills, and he is a lockdown defender. So if you have to start a cornerback, keep your eye on him. As far as the receivers, Cornelius Johnson, three for 86. Leading receiver, Roman Wilson, only one for five. Donovan Edwards, two for 13. And then he also has two carries for 11 yards. Blake Horn, seven for 60 on the ground with a touchdown, as you would expect. Excuse me. In the Minnesota side of things, one of my favorite freshman running backs, Darius Taylor, missing once again here tonight due to an injury. Western Michigan transfer, Sean Tyler, also missing in action. So the top two running backs, they are down that I'd be looking forward to seeing. Unfortunately, they're not playing tonight, so hopefully they get healthy and get back on the field as soon as they can. Then moving on to an SEC battle. Arkansas on the road against Ole Miss. Ole Miss leads 17-7 at halftime. Jackson Dart is doing everything he can to pull his team ahead. 10-17 for 98 and a touchdown through the air. No picks, no fumbles. Also has 35 rush yards. He is the leading rusher. Quinshawn Judkins, 9 for 29, and reached the end zone already. And then we'll move on to Arkansas. K.J. Jefferson, a senior sleeper in the quarterback world, 12 of 19 for 113. One touchdown, one pick. He also has a fumble. He didn't lose it, but he still fumbled the ball, unfortunately. And my guy that I'm irrationally high on that, that might be changing tonight, Raheem Rocket Sanders. Two catches for six yards. And then a whopping five carries for eight yards so far. Man, I don't know what the deal was with him. It's a mystery right now. He's had a couple nagging injuries. Missed some time. He added some weight in the offseason. He's just not playing well. He is absolutely stinking up the room. And it is not good to see. He was my 24 running back one for the longest. And he is just not looking very good. Right now... I don't even have him in my top 10 Debbie running backs at the moment. Nor is he in my top 5 of 24 running backs. I'd rather have Jonathan Brooks from Texas at this point. Easily. Give me Blake Corum. Give me Donovan Edwards. Give me a handful of guys without hesitation over Raheem Sanders. I'm sure there would be more. Doing some more critical thinking and sitting down and looking at him better. But he's just not looking good, man. He might be a dead-devy asset at this point. You can't move him for anything. I'm buying just for the sake of you risk it to get the biscuit. He has extremely high upside with the kind of player he is and the talent he possesses, but he's not showing it on the field. And from what I saw far saw previously from the draft community, the NFL wasn't very high on him either. They weren't before the season, and they damn sure shouldn't be right now. So unfortunately for him that he has followed from grace. We'll move on to Notre Dame at Louisville. Locked up at 7 here at halftime. Sam Hartman, 11 for 128, a touchdown and a pick. And he also did have a fumble and lost it. So this is shaping up to be a good one down to the very end. Uh, Audrey Estime has 6 carries for 18 yards, so he's not having the best game so far whatsoever. And then on Louisville's side, Jamari Thrash, 4-for-34 and a touchdown. So Notre Dame is having their hands full with him, as you would expect. Uh, Jack Plummer, 8-for-12, 57 yards and a touchdown. So the Plummer and Thrash connection is once again lighting up the defense. I don't know. Notre Dame just might lose this one. It's going to be a close one down to the wire, I think. Notre Dame's got a good shot of going down once again here on the road. And then we have Georgia Tech and Miami. Just now getting to halftime. They are locked in at 0-0. Zero to zero. Surprisingly, I thought Miami would blow the doors off him with how they played this season and just not getting it done so far. TVD, Tyler Van Dyke 13 of 20, 104 and 1 interception. So not the worst first half, but he is turning the ball over. We never like to see that. And the, he has not led his offense to any kind of point so far. So that's That sucks to see. And as far as Georgia Tech's side, we got Eric Singleton Jr., the wide receiver. One catch for six yards. Both offenses are struggling a lot. So this one will be a defensive slobber knocker down to the last possession. And then in the games that have not kicked off, we got at 10 p.m. Eastern time, Oregon State traveling down to Cal. And 10.30, Arizona traveling to USC. So those are two Big games as far as USC and Oregon State with lots of Debbie prospects between the two of them. Hopefully Zachary Branch gets back on the field for USC tonight. not sure if he will or if he will not, but I'm holding out hope that he will. So that'll do it for this episode. Appreciate you guys tuning in once again. You can find me on x slash Twitter at Gump7285. You can find my other podcast, The Gridiron Fantasy Show, at gridiron underscore fs. Of course, Destination Debbie at Destination Debbie. Please check out the website, DestinationDevi.com, for my weekly Debbie buy sell article coming out every Friday to you. And all the other dope tools and content creators. We got Start Sit articles, Waiver Wire for Dynasty, and Redraft. We got a Trade of the Week article that is super interesting. Take a trade from the Discord, break it down. Very analytical, very in depth getting in the minds of both traders. Just lots of stuff coming out over there. Scott Connor has a Tectonic trading article each and every week. Shane Manila, of course, you sh- might know him from Destiny... Or sorry. Dynasty Trades in 5. Dynasty Trades HQ previously. He is back in the writing game. Ray dropped an article. And, of course, the analytical Debbie man, Jordan Backus, a.k.a. JB, Dropping IDP articles, college analytics, NFL analytics, Debbie Spotlights each and every week. That man must have no free time with all the writing and articles he is putting out, the tools he's putting together. He's an awesome resource, puts out awesome content. So please check out the website, DestinationDebbie.com, and check out our Debbie episode over at the Gridiron Fantasy Show, coming to you each and every Tuesday evening. And I'll see you again on the next one. Have a great Sunday win some money in the fantasy game as well as your betting appreciate you tuning in